Hello, this is Christine Peterson with A Toolkit for a Better Life. In this podcast, we will focus on how our bodies and our minds work and give you various tips and tricks, tools and techniques for understanding yourself, being happier in yourself and living a better life. Every week, we will discuss different topics that might interest you and help you think differently to change the way you approach life and yourself. We talk about the little things that make a big difference. Hello. Today I will be speaking with my friend and colleague, Nicole Crabtree. She defines herself as soul, human, woman, wife, daughter, sister, friend, student, soul, city and meditation guide. Nicole believes that every moment is an invitation to meet ourselves in that moment, free of judgment and full of love. For her, meditation is an invitation to a deep sense of interconnection, of healing, of gratitude and grace. And sharing this state instills her with a clear sense of purpose. Meditation has played a key role in Nicole's development, in particular in how she applies her skills and experiences as a teacher and guide. It requires no props, no doctrines, no dogmas. Nicole offers guided meditation to open the mind to life's possibilities, both personally and professionally. Her next open course, uh, Communication Journey, starts on the 18th of February, and today we will explore communication as a state of being. Whenever you're listening, Nicole offers open courses and individual meetings online and in person, in corporate settings and individually, and you can find out all about her and them at her website, foodmoodcrabtree.com. And of course, I'll be putting a link in the description below. So, Nicole, today we're going to explore in particular some of the questions that Nicole presents during her communication courses. So hello, Nicole, it's nice to meet you again. Hello, Christine, it's a pleasure to be here with you again on your innovative and informative podcast series. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoy it. I hope our listeners enjoy it just as much. And today is going to be really interesting. The title of the podcast is Communication as a State of Being. And I love that. So the first thing I'd like to ask you, Nicole, is why do you do what you do? (laughs) I've asked myself that often, frankly. (laughs) (laughs) And, And in fact, the answer always comes back. It's it's who I am. Mm. Um, since I was a small person, this seemed the natural thing to do to me to to contribute to people being their best, to somehow be a, a tool for empowerment. And it's evolved over the years for sure. And this is why I I I, I pressed for a, a term to call myself. I have all those words that you so beautifully read: soul, human, so mm. forth. Uh, because I think that. Our title is less important than that we fulfill the purpose that we came here to fulfill. So I do what I do because I feel it allows me to give my gifts, yeah. as we all do. We all have as gifts all to do. give, and we find ways to give them. Yeah, exactly. You are both a coach and what you call a guide. 
What's the difference between coaching and guiding? You know, Christine, I'm really grateful you asked that question because I think I only really understood the difference between that about a month ago. Wow. I never liked this word coaching. And I've been involved in what used to be called consulting 30 years ago when I started. And then it was, you know, a teacher, a consultant. And then slowly this about 20 years ago, the word coach became, you know, a, a part of the vernacular that embodied more than just physical coaching. Yeah, mm -hmm. It was about the mind and the soul and also professional coaching. Mm -hmm. And it never fit me. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I realized I'm not a cheerleader. Yeah, like a coach somehow, with all due respect, we need cheerleaders. Yeah, we need people who cheer us on and and give us that that sensation of being supported from that perspective of, of enthusiasm, which I definitely mm. have no lack of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> as, as one can right? hear just from my voice. Mm. However, a guide, from my perspective, shines a light on the path mm. and really yes. allows us to to see the path and, and accompanies us along the way, which is why I wrote Soul City and Meditation Guide, because I, I also do tour guiding, literally take people around on tours and and yeah. I do guided meditations. So so the idea of a guide, somehow it clicked. I said, ah, like guide is, again, if you go back to the first question you asked me, why do I do what I do? Because I guide people. I, 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 I can easily, culturally, it's so easy for me to tell people, do this, don't do that. But it doesn't resonate for me. I yeah. feel better to say, what do you think of this? Have you considered that? And and part of that is why uh, communication is really one of my topics, because there are lots of courses about communication, all of them valid, and people find what they need. Um, and I found what was lacking is a course that was holistic, like a holistic approach to a human being. Mm. Mm. Nice. So today we're talking about communication. Let me just ask you the question, what is responsible communication? Well, this goes along with the holistic approach. Responsible communication is, am I aware of my impact? H have I taken a moment to imagine what I'm saying? Is it aligned with what I actually mean? Uh, is my medium for saying it, whether that be the words, verbal or written? Uh, do I send an emoji? I mean, there's now with we're, we're completely bombarded with all sorts of mediums and all mm. sorts of opportunities to communicate, mm. which gives, you know, if we look scientifically, there are three kinds of communication, right? There's the verbal, you and I talking to each other. Uh, there's the nonverbal, which has uh, historically been, you know, your body language, your facial expressions. It can encompass also uh, what you wear, uh, the color of your lipstick, the color of your hair. I mean, all of these mm. things. And, and what's emerged over the most recent, let's say, decade um, is something nothing new. However, it's become popular again after hundreds, maybe thousands of years is the idea of the energetic impulse underneath our communication. And this is called paraverbal communication mm. scientifically. And for me, this is what responsible communication is. It's being aware of the energy I charge my communication mm. with. And when I teach in a corporate setting, we, we talk about the idea, yes, of course, especially if it's not your native tongue and so forth, the words you choose are really important. 
However, even in a written communication, what I charge my words with, my intention under my words, mm-hmm. this is really something that informs what is received as well as the words I choose, how I dress both my message and myself and so forth. Long answer to your short question. <laughs> well, very, very interesting answer. Thank you. So how can we define our connectedness or our disconnectedness with what and how we communicate? Well, and in fact, if we go to the idea of the energy, of the intention, the charge of my words, that is a a really natural, organic way to determine, am I connected to what I'm saying? Or am I just, am I on my phone while I'm listening to the radio and then I answer my spouse or my colleague or my child? Uh, am, am I aware? Am I present to what I'm saying? Some could call it, you know, am I mindful of what I'm saying? I use the word connected in part because it comes naturally. I, mm-hmm. I, I think especially we're connected to so many things. We're connected to the Instagram, to the TikTok, to the Facebook, all of these things all at once. And are we bringing our whole self to it? Mm. Now, I mean, there's something to be said for multitasking. People are busy. The issue is, can I, like in Aikido, the idea that can I move 100% between tasks or am I splitting up 10% between 10 tasks in the same moment? Mm. All valid, but am I connected to what I'm actually communicating? Mm. Yeah, so am I in the present moment when I'm doing whatever I'm doing, really? Yes, because that way I can disconnect, which is equally as important as being connected, but am I doing it on purpose? Is it yes. responsible yeah. or is it something that's a habit? I've fallen into a habitual behavior with a spouse, with a child, with a colleague, with a boss, mm. with, with a person who reports to me. Mm. And as I bring consciousness to those things, um, then what happens, I reduce miscommunication because miscommunication, mm. of course, means what I mean to say is either not received the way I want it to be or... I actually didn't say what I meant because I was disconnected to my own Mm. message. Mm -hmm. How does our connection impact our messages and the way they are received? Well, I think I, if I'm connected to my message, then I'm much more creative. I'm able to find uh, different ways to uh, bring a message to any kind of receiver. Mm So if I'm connected, I will recognize, even in the same meeting, in the same conversation, a shift in the energy, a shift in the person's capacity to pay attention. And I also recognize my own responsibility to be connected to the message so the person has as many opportunities to receive it as possible. Uh, Because what often happens is if I'm not connected, I don't even notice, did the person receive it? And then real miscommunication happens because then they're built the miscommunications on Mm. top of each other. Mm. And Mm. across cultures, this becomes compounded because maybe we don't have a context and we think, well, if I just knew how Spanish people behaved or if I just Mm -hmm. knew how Americans behaved, then I'd know how to communicate. But it's not quite that simple. People Mm. are hybrids and there's Mm. more to someone than their nationality. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Nicole, um, how do we know when our communication is seen as an invitation or as a demand? 
This is a wonderful follow-on question because it has to do with the fact that am I energetically present to what's happening within myself, first and foremost, my own internal communication? Mm -hmm. And this is the charge. And I want to be clear, we may want to make a demand or we may want to make an invitation, but discerning between those two things is really important. You know, I may want to say to my colleague, uh, would you please, and I mean that, or I may need to say, we must. And again, there's argument mm -hmm. culturally uh, how to do that. But really for me, the cultural aspect is secondary to am I aligned with, am I wanting to make a demand? Am I wanting to make an invitation? And this in interpersonal communications goes even a step further because we fall into roles you know, who's always the peacemaker, who's always the initiator, who's always oh. the person, you know, digging in and saying no. Mm. And if I'm unconscious, I slip into the role and I begin to either always demand or always nag or always be passive aggressive or whatever those things may be. Mm. And I become unaware of them. And then I wonder why no one's listening or mm. why I'm ineffective or why I can't create a connection with with a partner or a child or a parent and so forth. And this is why, because I'm not even aware what type of message am I giving out? It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, how do we recognize when we interrupt the flow of communication? And do we do it on purpose, do you think? Well, again, and I'm, I'm really grateful your questions all lead to the idea of looking at the energetic charge under the communication, because what is flow in communication? Right. What, what does that mean? You know, some mm -hmm. people I have a friend and he speaks at <gasps> this speed. Oh, and we've been friends for 25 nuts. years <laughs> and I speak a mile a minute. And the reason our friendship continues and grows is in part we don't expect from the other who we are. And so yeah. why did I bring it up in reference to flow? Flow is not necessarily about tempo or speed. It goes back to the original discussion of connection. Am I connected to myself and the person or persons I'm communicating with? And then the flow can be, for example, how many of us have a partner where we ask a question and three days later we get the answer? Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or that can happen in work very often, right? Mm. And, and, and this flow uh, can be, you know, you asked, do I do it on purpose? Um, sometimes, for example, this may happen to you, Christine. Um, let me know if it does. Like someone sends me a message with a specific question mm -hmm. and I may not answer right away because there are two or three other things that I want to fall in place before mm -hmm. I answer. Yeah. And in an effort to reduce a lot of back and forth, I come back and answer with the actual answer. Mm -hmm. Now, if I know that person needs, if I know already, I've been in an interaction, that person needs a reassurance or an immediate response, then I'm interrupting the flow. Mm. Because I know I'm doing it on purpose. I, I explain mm. out. Okay. Because mm. it seems backwards what I'm saying. Mm. So let's say I have a colleague and they're Anglo-Saxon and mm. they are very straight and linear speaking. And they asked me a question next month at this meeting, can we put X item on the agenda? 
And I know that I need to talk to five other people before I answer them. I also know from working with them in the past that they're not going to wait until then. They need an answer now. So I might say to them, I need to speak to five other people. As soon as I have the answers, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in another culture, that would be noise and static and an interruption in the flow. Just Mm. tell me when you know. So why am I giving this example as well, to be honest? We're always going to make mistakes. Mm. We're going to interrupt the flow on purpose, not on purpose. And being aware of that, being aware that there is a flow and I might not know it, drops a lot of pressure and a lot of static in the energetic charge, in the doubt, in the lack of confidence that my energy may be in my my message. And it allows messages to flow even when there is a disconnection, there is a miscommunication, because I haven't closed myself, mm-hmm. because I'm afraid to be wrong, or I don't want to offend and all of these other things. I'm willing to be in the conversation with my full self, which maybe we can see is very circular going back to your initial questions about what is responsible communication? What is communication as a state? It's never ending. It's always happening. We're never not in communication. Mm. What you're saying is reminding me, I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about communication and they were talking about, at one point they were talking about the difference in the amount of space there is between words or sentences, depending on where you come from. And one of the examples they gave was, if you are from New York, you have very little space between one sentence and another. And (laughs) (laughs) when two people speak, it will be back and forth, back and forth. And there, there will be very little waiting time, if any, before the other person starts talking when the first person has stopped. So it's very, very staccato. Whereas in California, there's a lot more space. So Californians, this we're making a generalization, and they did, in fact, in this other podcast, Californians will have a tendency to leave a space and wait before they answer. So you can imagine a conversation between Californians and New Yorkers. It's no longer a conversation. Basically, the New Yorkers take over. Well, and this is the exact example I was giving you. I mean, I'm from New Jersey. We speak a mile a minute. Mm. And my very dear friend is from the Deep South. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and and we're from the same country. Yeah. Imagine yeah. when this happens, you know, maybe the person has paused because they're trying to translate into their own language. Maybe mm. they're also in their language, a very quick speaker. Mm. Um, so, so this also, this, again, responsible communication, Don't take responsibility for someone else. Don't assume what they're thinking. Don't try to think for another person Mm. because all of that creates static. Do you remember years ago, there was that book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yes. This is a similar idea that even between genders in the same town Mm. can have this. So, So if we embrace these things and take responsibility for our own communication, this is power because then if mm. I'm if I'm in the energy of my communication, I'm fully responsible. I, I have the capacity to use my communication as a tool, as a, as a way to bring light, mm. as opposed to as a frustration. Yes, and still there'll be frustrations. Of course, we're human, <laughs> and yes, life is life. In fact, one of the things I do because I do have a tendency 
to be more like the New Yorkers than the, than the Californians. Well, you're Danish and in Norwegian, which frankly is, you know, the northern part of Europe is like the northeast of the mm. United States yes. in reference to using language. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I speak reasonably fast and I tend to leave a very small gap between you finishing and me starting. So one of the things, I'm very aware of this. So one of the things I also, I try and apply myself and I teach others is to look for the pearl, the pearl being a precious thing. And what that reminds me to do is to, number one, not cut people off mid-sentence because maybe they had a pearl, they had something really important and something that I really want to know about, but at the end of their sentence. And if I had cut them off or started talking before they finished, maybe I would have missed the pearl. And that really allows me to also give more space to other people and to give them the space and to think and to answer without me pushing them in any way. So it doesn't always work. <laughs> and I'm still working on it and uh, very aware of it. Yes, of course. In fact, I mean, these strategies, and this is one of the things that I often, I don't want to say struggle, I find is a challenge when I'm teaching, is people want strategies and they're mm. useful. Mm. And I'm I'm wary in my especially in courses I teach in reference to to guiding and, and, and being really connected to the soul, is the strategies work for a while. Mm. And if we rely on them, then we disconnect from being connected to the energy. Mm. So it's it's real balancing act um, mm. to know that my strategies are valid and I want to have them in my in my backpack, if you will. I want to have them in my pocket. Mm. Um, and remember that they can become the secondary when I become really in tune with my energy and how my energy informs my communication. Um, so the balance between having strategies and having little tricks I can do to keep myself focused and then more and more becoming organically aware of what is the energy I give, mm. this becomes the gift. Yes. Yeah, the, the gift, mm. the capacity to that communication is not a challenge that I have to solve, <laughs> but it is a gift that allows me to share with the world, whatever I do, I could be collecting garbage, the president of the country, a school teacher, a shopkeeper. Communication is our way to be connected to other human beings. Yeah, it is. And I always enjoy communicating with you, as you know. So. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> I always learn from you, Christine. And vice versa. It's brilliant. Yeah, we always come out with something out of a conversation with something new, which is wonderful. Or at least so, a good laugh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If nothing else. So what I would like to do, ask you now is what would we always, as you know, we always finish these podcasts with the takeaways. So what would you say would be our takeaways from today's podcast? I'll, I'll start small and I'll go to the big one. How's that? Mm -hmm. I, I would say the first is we're always communicating. We can't not communicate. I mean, it's really important to recognize that our physical self, our energetic presence is a communication. And that's such a giant opening then to connect. Okay, if I walk into a room, I'm already speaking, so to speak, in quotation. Mm -hmm. So then I can begin to become aware of the power under the energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the power in the energy. My father was a police officer and he taught me the dog voice. Mm. You know, when you talk shit, 
Mm-hmm. And that was maybe I was seven years old. And that was probably one of the first times I consciously understood. It's not the word, it's the energy I put mm-hmm. in the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, I would say, recognizing that communication is a tool to shine our light. It's a way we give our gifts. Um, it's It is the way we offer what we came here to do. Uh, whether that be I communicate by making shoes mm-hmm. or I communicate mm-hmm. by making Bitcoin and mm-hmm. you know whatever we do, it's a communication. It's a state of being. Mm. That's so wonderful. It's a really nice way to think of it. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Christine. Thank everyone for listening and 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 being part of our state of communicative being in this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We are definitely radiating energy here. Absolutely. Uh, as well as words. So absolutely. Excellent. If you allow me, Christine, I'd sure. just love to remind anyone listening, please, you're welcome uh, to foodmoodcrabtree.com, uh, communication journeys and beyond. Uh, please, I'll be happy to meet you. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, Nicole. Thank you, Christine. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. You've been listening to A Toolkit for a Better Life, produced by Christine Peterson. For more information and details on how to contact us, please see the podcast description.